Welcome to Fathering Excellence, where fathers of accomplished people share their parenting insights. This episode, I am excited to be talking with Bob Schubert, whose children include Spencer Schubert. Spencer is an accomplished sculptor whose focus is on monumental bronze sculptures and busts. For each statue, he researches the subject's story and their personality, and then impresses that into the clay, which ultimately serves as the basis for the bronze mold. The list of Spencer's work is long, but just to name a few, they include Bill Snyder, the Hall of Fame Kansas State head coach, Marcus Aurelius and Seneca the Younger, the famous Stoics, and William Webb, the first American naval architect. The William Webb statue is prominently displayed at the Webb Institute College of Engineering in Glen Cove, New York. I'll post a video on our website that includes some footage of the installation of this statue at the Webb Institute. You can find the page for this episode and all of the other episodes on our website, fatheringexcellence.com. In addition to photos, the pages also include show notes and full transcripts. Before we get started, there's one thing which if you could do this following the episode, it would help sustain the podcast and we would be extraordinarily grateful. Specifically, if you hear anything in this episode or others that you found helpful, then we'd greatly appreciate it if you could take 60 seconds to provide a rating and a review. When a podcast has more ratings and reviews, it appears higher on the search results. So by taking a moment to do this, you'll be helping the podcast and you'll be helping other people to find it. It's easy to do this on the Apple iTunes podcast app. Just go to Fathering Excellence and keep scrolling down until you get to the star rating. Scroll down a bit further and you can see where you can click to leave a review. Thank you for any help with this and enjoy the episode with Bob Schubert. I'm Jonathan V and this is Fathering Excellence. Well, Bob, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Starting out, having one of your children, Spencer, is a, a sculptor, I would imagine it would be rewarding to be able to go around and see all of the things that he has created, to be able to see the legendary Kansas State University football coach, Bill Snyder, standing 11 feet tall, and others in Arkansas, New York, all of these amazing works that came from your, your son's hand. How rewarding is that for you as a father? Oh, it's just uh, just a thrill. Uh, we try to make uh, every installation there is. Matter of fact, we have kitted that the other siblings that uh, it's kind of a pity we can't come to their office and watch them work like we do Spencer, seeing the results <laughs> of his work. Uh, but it isn't practical, obviously. But we still recognize their efforts as well as Spencer's. <laughs> so you have two boys and two girls. What do the other ones do? Uh, well, Kim is uh, pretty high up in the uh, structure at Kansas University Medical Center. She's in charge of strategic partnerships. Uh-huh. And uh, Bethany is, uh, was a vice president of a, I call it headhunter, there's more official words, but uh, <laughs> did very well, was, a, was over three, three or four offices, and uh, just within the last year has decided to leave them and form her own company, which is doing very well so far as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Fletch is uh, a nurse practitioner. He's gradually worked his way up. He's now, he works in a urgent care clinic in Lawrence, Kansas, but he has also gotten into telemedicine and has now gotten his license in about five or six states. That's fantastic. He will never go hungry, huh? 
No, I don't think so. As a matter of fact, he's doing very, very well. It took him a long while to get there. And Bob, what, what kind of work do you and your wife do? Well, my wife is a hospice chaplain and has been so for about 25 years or so. Uh-huh. And, and what do you do? Well, I've been working with computers most of my life, most recently for the last oh, 35 years or so, uh, teaching primarily Microsoft Office, Word, Excel, PowerPoint access. Done that at most of the colleges and universities in the Kansas City area. Did that up through last semester when the uh, Higher Learning Commission dictated for the first time that you can't teach a subject unless you have a master's in that subject. And my master's is not in that subject, so I was uh, screened out of that. But I'm still working a little bit, doing some, uh, preparing some Excel videos for YouTube to teach people how to use Excel. Uh huh. Probably the most underestimated tool in terms of its its power and capabilities. I think that's a good attitude to have towards Excel. So, could you paint a picture for what the Schubert household was like when the kids were young? Oh, gosh. Well, I had to chuckle because my wife has always worked, got back to work shortly after the birth of each child, usually, realized very quickly that uh, she'd go batty if she had to stay home with the kids all the time. And at one point, uh, one of our daughters was asked by a friend, boy, with both parents working, you had a real problem, not much family left. (laughs) Daughter said, oh, no. She said, every night, just about, we had supper and everybody was expected to be around the table and be sharing what had happened to them, what they thought about it, et cetera, et cetera. So we had some vigorous supper conversations fairly frequently about what had happened that day. Oh, that's great. So every every night, people were expected to be there. That's right. And contribute. How do you get your kids to contribute? Well, we've always had good conversations. And I think part of the, the advantage was having Spencer having three siblings and, and the advantage for all of them, really, because what one didn't do, the other one did in terms of volunteering and, and sharing at the dinner table. And then, of course, since the others were sharing, those who weren't sharing at the moment uh, kind of got challenged implicitly to ch- share themselves and uh, kidded each other a lot, challenged each other a lot. So it just became a to be expected that you shared with each other. And to this day, all four siblings, with or without their parents, get together regularly and share things, and it's really been a good experience. That must be rewarding to see your kids that close as adults. It is, especially when you see so many families where kids are just uh, at each other's throat or ignore each other and never see each other. Is there anything that you can think of in Spencer's upbringing that may have predisposed him towards becoming a sculptor? Well, it's kind of funny, you know. Uh, you wonder how somebody like Spencer, for instance, gets to do what he did. Uh, as you can tell from my vocation and my wife's vocation, we didn't have much of a vocation that was at all similar to what Spencer ended up doing. I'm, I'm not sure that it really helped that much, but I always think of a couple of things that uh, when Spencer was about five years old, I remember putting him out on the driveway with a hammer, several nails, and a couple of pieces of two by four and saying, have at it, (laughs) showing him how not to kill his finger. And uh, he just had a ball. And then I remember when uh, he was in his teens, I think it was, and he and we had, well, first of all, we had a small lightning strike on our house and it made the VCR just go kerflooey. So we got a new VCR. And then I said, now, what do you do with a VCR that doesn't work? And it occurred to me that I could give that to Spencer and his friend, 
and they literally tore it apart, spread it from one end of the driveway to the other, and it amazed me how many little green cards were inside that VCR. But they just had a ball trying to figure out what was going on and what was what. So just another example of exploring what what makes things tick. Mm. And uh, then we had another funny situation. We were over visiting some friends. They had a boy about Spencer's age. And pretty soon they came over and said, we're bored to tears. So we both said, why don't you go make some make something, get some boxes and make something. Well, within a few minutes, they were back and primarily Spencer had made taped together several cardboard boxes with duct tape in the shape of machine guns. And so they were off to play guns with machine gun cardboard boxes that Spencer had made. So he was creating and understanding how things ticked long before he got into actually creating sculptures. Oh, exactly. And then he, one of his jobs uh, in the summer was with Section 8 housing. I am sure that uh, convinced him that he did not want to do that for a lot of work. Mm. But I'm sure he also got a lot more experience with materials to the point where at one point when he was already sculpturing, I said to him, you know, you're not a sculptor. You just like to make stuff because whenever he, for instance, he had a, he'd had a situation of working on a bust and it wasn't really very convenient to put it on a table or anything. He had wanted to have it high enough so he could work on it standing up. So he made a lift that would bring it up to where he needed it to be. Interesting. He he just constantly, if you look at his studio, you will see, of course, a lot of sculptures, but you'll also see a lot of things that he has made. When there's a lull in the activity, he'll go make something that he knows he needs or that's just fun to make. He's a real creator of all types of things. Yep, yep. So when he was younger, my understanding is he showed an interest in uh, athletics and and things other than sculpture as well. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he uh, he played soccer and when he was, uh, you know, just in the first few grades of elementary school. And then as high school came on, he got more interested in uh, track and football. Uh, at one point, then went back out for soccer. He's always loved to play things. Spencer and I have kidded about this, but uh, when first several years of grade school, we joined the soccer team. We played and I helped coach and didn't know anything about soccer, but I helped. And then uh, we switched schools and I said, uh, Spencer, uh, do you want to play soccer this year? He said, well, yeah, I guess so. Well, we played soccer. We joined another team, played soccer. And uh, the next year, without me saying anything, Spencer said, Dad, you're not making me play soccer this year. (laughs) I said, whoa, wait a minute. I did not make you play soccer. I just asked you if you wanted to play. What was really funny was uh, he was in high school and four, but he was doing something else besides soccer the previous year and came home one day and said, uh, Dad, I'm going to play soccer this year. And I said, let's get one thing straight. I am not making you play soccer. And the point, the point being that, that the perception that the child has of what the parent says could be vastly different than what the parent thinks is coming, coming across. Yeah, that is so true. Were you an athlete as well? Were you encouraging him to participate in sports? Oh, yeah. We, um, we always encourage them to play. And I think we found pretty quickly that uh, playing sports really made them better students. Interesting. How, how so? Well, I'm not sure why that works, but it's paying paying attention to what you need to do to get things done. Of course, playing sports, you don't get into as much trouble, and it just seemed to work. I'm not sure why it worked, but it sure did. 
I have the the sense, I guess, partly based on that comment, but also based on the careers that your children have pursued and the knowledge that Spencer had a scholarship to University of Kansas. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that was largely based on his artistic abilities. But if you have artistic abilities in D's and F's, you're not going to get that scholarship. So I would imagine that they were all probably reasonably good or excellent students. How involved were you in proactively managing that to ensure that your kids were were getting reasonably good grades? We both, especially my wife, probably even more than I, but just kind of expected that they would get A's and B's in whatever they were studying. When a C came along, it was highly questioned as to uh, whether we were doing the job we needed to do. So everybody got the same same attitude. And of course, I'm sure the sibling, uh, we have a, a saying in the family that I've used both with the children and with the grandchildren, and that is, the game of sibling is alive and well. <laughs> Every time they start competing with each other or challenging each other, and uh, so it's almost gotten to be. I can I can start the quote, and uh, every every child and grandchild can finish it for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just assumed, I think, in the entire family that you'll do the best job you can at what you're doing, and uh, make it make mean something to you and to the public as best you can in whatever it is you want to do. Spencer seems to have been involved in a lot of different activities. When did he start to get more serious about sculpting? Ironically, um, Spencer played uh, basketball, among other things, in high school. And senior year, coach decided to cut all but one or two seniors. And we were scared to death that uh, that would really be a shock to Spencer's system. He said, oh, no. He had already been going to the silver lab and making a lot of things in silver. And uh, he said, that just give me more time to go to the silver lab. And so he was thrilled to do that. Matter of fact, he was, I think the silver instructor trusted him to take care of the lab and help other students. He made a number of pieces in silver. He had not done really any sculpture in high school at all. He did make one piece. It's a little wine cup. Uh, it sits in a little container. He entered a number of contests in the metropolitan area and received several gold medals for those entries. And that particular wine cup went to the museum in Washington, D.C., and I'm drawing a blank on the name, but it stayed there for two years as a result of him winning a prize in a metropolitan area. Wow. When when he was a junior? Uh, junior or senior, yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. And so his his uh, scholarship, I think, was really for silver. So he went to KU on that silver scholarship and was studying silver. And they had a teaching assistant who, when they asked if they could stay that night and work on a particular piece of equipment that they had used in high school all by themselves, the teaching assistant said that they could not use it unless she was in the room. And so they got quite upset, wrote a letter to the silver professor and said that they were transferring to sculpture. And that was the beginning of his sculpture career. Uh, but he did mostly sculpture from then on his last three years in college. And after that, he proceeded to start his career as a sculptor? As a matter of fact, uh, after Spencer got out of college, he was not going to be a sculptor. He was going to uh, be a rock star. Really? They had a band that, uh, oh, they went uh, at least two states in every direction with gigs that they performed over several years. I think then finally, when he realized he was not going to become a real national well-known star, I think he started thinking about other things and maybe sculpture was really it after all. 
and uh, started making sculptures, had a studio down in the Crossroads District. First Friday was uh, very popular back then. It still is, but he would be open on that first Friday night with his work there, sold a few things, not enough to make a living. And he had some other other non-sculpture work going on to, keep, to make a living. But gradually, the public started to notice what he could do. And he uh, knew a uh, legislator in the state Missouri State Legislature who uh, Spencer asked him, what do I need to do? Because he had, he had looked at and admired the sculptures in the uh, Missouri State House, the busts of famous Missourians, and asked his legislator friend, he says, how do I get this kid in on this? And the legislator says, I really don't know, but he said the speaker makes the decision, and the uh, speaker's favorite politician is, uh, I think it was Teddy Roosevelt. So Spencer made a sculpture of Teddy Roosevelt and gave it to the speaker. And I think that probably started his career down at the Missouri State House. Ah, uh, that's smart. And uh, of course, then did a number of uh, of other sculptures down there. I think he's got about five or six or seven. So you've got a child in the healthcare industry, another who is an executive recruiter, another who works in strategic partnerships, and one who wants to be a either a rock star or a sculptor. So how do you respond to that as a father? I just would imagine that there are many parents who would be concerned about about their kids' ability to feed themselves pursuing one of these careers. Exactly. And I think feeding himself has never been an issue. He has always understood that he needs to feed himself and, of course, now his wife and children. Yeah. So he'd have odd jobs. Uh, the first quite a while, he was doing wiring, computer wiring, for I think it was Hallmark stores and oh there was another one that skips my mind but and so he he traveled all over the country rewiring Hallmark stores and uh, and the other ones with uh, computer wiring so he did that to make a living uh, all the while he was doing the rock band and uh, mm. and I think to some extent when he started sculpting when he first expressed an interest in those types of careers in in high school do you recall giving many particular type of counsel as to how he should think about those as a career choice? No, uh, it seems funny, but uh, my philosophy has always been, you need to do what you know you can be good at. I was a little skeptical of a rock band, but uh, if he thought he could make it, more power to him, let's go do it. Always thinking in the background that uh, maybe sculpture was it, but of course that, you know, you have to wonder about uh, whether he's going to make make a living doing sculpture too when he's considering it so but i've always been amazed at fathers who you know say you know since i'm a doctor you must be a doctor or since i'm a lawyer you must be a lawyer which seems so stupid to me because well as you can see from our family everybody's doing something different and i think they're doing it well because they don't feel like they're forced to do something they don't like did you ever talk with your kids about money or personal finances or, or things to that effect? Kind of a bizarre example, but when he was in high school, Spencer had just saved enough money to buy a car, and he came across a 25-year-old Jeepster Commander. He said, Dan, I want to buy this car. I said, well, let's take it over local garage where you used to take our cars to, and uh, showed it to the fellow and said, now, tell us what you think. What condition is it in? What could go wrong? How much could it cost? And at first, he just smiled and shook his head. <laughs> and I said, now, come on, tell us. And he smiled and shook his head again. And I said, come on, now, really, tell us what, 
So he said, well, this could go wrong for $1,500. This could go wrong for 1000 This could go wrong for that, and on and on. And so we came home. I think Spencer was virtually in tears. He said, I want to buy that car. And I said, okay, you can buy the car. I said, but what you have to realize is you spend all your money in a car. You don't have any more money to fix it up. And if it dies, you don't have a way to get to school and you don't have any money to fix it up. He said, I want that car. So he bought the car. I think he put about $100 into it to fix an alternator, to replace an alternator, and sold it about six months later for 60% more than he had bought it for. Wow. <laughs> well, he helped him to understand all the, the pros and cons mm-hmm. and then let, let him make his choice and, and learn from it. And that one seems, seems like a broke in his direction, huh? Yep. Yep. So there's never been a parent that hasn't had disciplinary challenges from time to time. What were some of the approaches that you took to discipline? Well, we always challenged whenever kids got tacky with each other. You know, we always urged them to, you know, take it easy and not be so nasty to the other one. There was always a little tackiness going on once for one from one or the other. There wasn't any big problem, but there was always, you know, that old sibling rivalry. We'd always try to sit on it best we can, both my wife and myself. I think they all turned out pretty well. And uh, it's interesting, we, he was a Boy Scout and got to be a Life Scout, just didn't quite get to Eagle. And uh, we used to go, we went down two or three years to the Bartle Campground down in Southern Missouri. And he joined the tribe of Mikasei, which is kind of an honorary thing that you can join if you want to. And prior to that, he was real tacky around the house. I mean, he would pick on his brother. He'd be somewhat nasty to his mother. You know, we just tried and tried and couldn't quite get him to behave very as well as we'd like. He was okay, but he was still tacky. And the tribe of Mikasei really pressed hard on, you must respect your mother. And he came home a changed kid. And (laughs) to the point where his mother said, what happened down there at Boy Scout camp? He is a changed boy. And ever since, he's had the utmost regard and respect and care for his mother. I was really a changer. Were you a scout also? And, and were you involved? Yeah, I think I got to second class. And then we, uh, Spencer got into Boy Scouts. And our group kind of disintegrated a little bit. We had very few scouts. More and more moved away or graduated. Uh, we had less and less parent involvement. And so I took over as the scoutmaster for a couple of years, not really knowing much about being a scoutmaster, but at least keeping it going for the guys. We had four scouts all of whom had made Life Scout. One of them became an Eagle Scout. And I was hoping like the devil that I could get all four to be Eagle Scouts, but never quite made it with the other three. But uh, at least we kept it going for a while. Spencer has credited hard work as a foundational element to his accomplishments, that he wasn't uh, some gifted sculptor who could just pick up his first clay and, and create uh, a human image out of it. But he put a, a ton of, of work into it and over time got better and better. Is work ethic something that you instilled in your kids? Well, I hope so. And uh, <laughs> I, I would chuckle, kind of a minor deal in a, in a way. But um, I remember whenever I was cutting the grass, I'd always make sure it was edged very carefully. And I think I remember telling Spencer and, and the other kids too that, you know, it isn't the mowing of the grass that makes it look nice. It's the edging, paying attention to that, that level of detail. And uh, 
I had to laugh because I don't know if there was any relationship, but uh, I remember when Spencer was doing the finishing off of uh, the Bill Snyder sculpture at, for uh, Kansas State. I was down at the studio at one point and he was complaining. He said, I can't quite get the fold on the back of his leg quite right. And I thought to myself, holy fright, what culture pays attention to that level of detail that hardly anybody may ever notice. Right. <laughs> but he did. And uh, he, he wanted to make sure and get it right. Did your kids have chores around the house as well? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, they did. Everybody, you know, everybody took turns doing the trash. Mm-hmm. And how about in the, the summers? So when your kids had summer break from school, what were they doing? Oh, they were, they were uh, finding a job, you know, when, as soon as they were old enough to do, you know, any kind of job. Uh, I remember the girl uh, worked in a drugstore in Brookside, and uh, then the boys worked as uh, cashiers, both uh, in a hardware store and grocery store as well. There again, found out that was a job they didn't want to do for their whole lives, mm. but uh, at least they earned some money to do what they wanted to do, like buy cars and stuff. Mm-hmm. Did you all have any other family rituals or traditions? Went to the Episcopal Church regularly, and uh, I think uh, every one of the kids except Kim. Kim had no interest in it, but uh, Beth and Spencer and Fletch all became uh, acolytes. And what's that? Basically, they uh, attended the altar at church, helped the clergy with whatever needed to be done. Much of the time, they would carry the cross down the aisle in the uh, procession. Did you and your wife have a a split of responsibilities? Did you handle different things or either in a formal way or informally? Probably the most formal one was that my wife cooks and I do the grass and the outside lawn stuff and the money. Although I I have to chuckle when the joke in the family is that uh, when dad cooks, we go to McDonald's, (laughs) (laughs) which used to be the case all the time. Nobody wants me cooking because we want a meal that's enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sim- similar in our household. That's one of the things that I think contributes to Spencer's success, certainly. First of all, to have a good mother, that, that's a good thing to do, and also good siblings. My wife is always concerned about whether any of our children or our children's spouses have everything they need or are doing the most they can, or the grandchildren even, What are the, how are they doing, and are they healthy, et cetera, et cetera. She's always concerned about that and making comments as appropriate sometimes, but uh, that all contributes as well. Yeah. Do you recall, or was there a particular approach that you might take to motivating or encouraging your children? No, I get, well, I think the main thing is expressing interest in what they're doing Mm. and uh, complimenting them on good things, telling them that we're proud of them because we certainly are, and uh, just, you know, being involved with their lives as much as we can. In addition to the Scouts, are there other examples of of ways that you were involved in their lives? One of the biggest things, I guess, is we have tried to attend just about every event that they might be involved with. The girls, when they were young, were involved with cheerleading and that kind of thing. Of course, the boys involved in sports, and I, I tried to we both tried to be at as many events as possible. Of course, cheer them on and comfort them when they had a crushing blow or whatever. But uh, we tried, as a matter of fact, we do that with the grandchildren as well, as much as we can. We've been at most of the grand, well, I wouldn't say most, but at least half of the events that uh, grandchildren are participating in. And uh, that just keeps us active in, in not only the grandchildren's lives, but also the kids' lives. Oh, that's fantastic. 
So with your kids growing up, what's your relationship like with them now from a, a parenting perspective? Oh, we're, we're good friends with them. We have all the children and grandchildren over to our house Christmas morning, and uh, we still get together regularly. I would say, oh, every couple of months anyway, we have a get-together with just about everybody there. That's nice. Was there a point in time, from your perspective, where it seemed like Spencer had made it, that he had become a successful sculptor? Well, most of his Spencer sculptures have been within easy driving distance, Jeff City, then Southern Kansas, K-State, of course. And then he had a uh, contact that uh, I think was through the website to do a sculpture in Long Island, New York, ironically, 15 miles from where I grew up. And um, it was for the what's made called the William Webb Institute. It's one of the premier naval architecture schools in the country. And William Webb founded it and they wanted to do a sculpture of him. And I thought, wow, now we're getting out of the immediate area. He's become more you know, well known outside this area. And then just recently, he uh, got a commission to do a big real estate developer in the Long Island area that I think I remember hearing about when I was living there, but I don't remember too much about him. But that, both of those came just through the web. So that was really a good feeling. I think he's, he's really come into his own. My favorite example, and it's somewhat of a minor example, but uh, we were down at Jeff City. The, uh, he did a, a bust of Robert Heinlein, a science fiction author. And uh, so we were milling around in the legislature waiting for the uh, ceremony to begin. And I started looking at the program. It was about five minutes before it started. And I said, Spencer, I didn't realize you were speaking. And he said, I am. Well, five minutes from then, he started in. And without any hesitation or hemming or hawing or hesitating, told the story about how he had come down to Jeff City for the traditional, you know, grade school visits, the state capitol kind of thing. And he had noticed all the sculptures in the Hall of Famous Missourians, and that had somewhat inspired him. And that his sister Beth had given him a book by Robert Heinlein, and he quoted out of it. And it was like he had prepared that speech by spending about five hours on it. That's incredible. <laughs> so I've always thought... One of the things you can tell about successful people is they can talk well and they have a command of the English language. They know enough terms to describe what they want to say, and they can do it without a lot of fear and panic. So I was especially pleased to see him do that with Robert Heinlein. I thought, he's made it. He knows he can handle himself. That's fantastic. I, I also love the William Webb sculpture. There's a terrific video that, among other things, includes footage of the installation of the William Webb statue uh, at Glen Cove, New York. And I'll, I'll try to remember to put a, a link to that in the show notes. But one thing that I really love about Spencer's sculptures is that, in addition to their striking resemblance, they also really seem to capture the personality of the people they represent. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just remarkable. To, to me, it seems like it's the mark of a true craftsman to be able to do that. Exactly. Well, I have just a few closing questions. What are three words that you think your kids or your wife might use to describe your parenting style? Encouraging, freedom to do what I want, actively involved. Uh -huh. Could you expand on the, uh, the freedom one? Uh, just that they're free to do what they, what they want. As long as it's making a good contribution to society, I think they know we're all for it. Mm. 
You had mentioned something this triggered the memory. You said something to the effect of you wanted them to do the best they can do in, in whatever they do. Mm-hmm. How did you go about instilling that value in them? Oh, gosh. Um, it, it certainly seems like it's something that's a, a recurring theme in how you parented. I don't know that we've... Oh, well, one thing I had forgotten. I, I read a book about Jimmy Carter and in the preface, I think it was his admission to Annapolis. I'm not sure, but it was an exam he was taking, very important exam. And I think he flunked it or didn't do very well. And he was sharing that with one of his supervisors. And the supervisor said, did you do the best you possibly could do? And Jimmy said, well, no. And the supervisor said, why not? Mm. And I remember telling that story a few times to the kids. And, you know, it was, I mean, it sure struck me as uh, (laughs) whatever you're doing, why in the world aren't you doing it the best you can? Yeah. What's the point of not doing that? Right. And uh, it always struck me that uh, how many children don't seem to figure that one out, and uh, even grown adults. (laughs) But uh, it's always been implicit, I think, in what uh, my wife and I have done with the kids. Get the satisfaction out of doing it well. Yeah, those are wise words. With the benefit of hindsight, what might you have done differently as a father? It's funny. I, these days now, I'll ask the grandchildren, you know, that are in high school and they're just knocking around and not sure what they want to do, haven't really thought about it very much. And I'll ask them, what do you think you want to do when you grow up? And I think maybe if I'd done that a little more, you know, not that I cared what they did, but that they think about it and figure out, hey, what can I do with the talents I have when I grow up? Just to make them think a little bit more about it as the years go by might have been a good help. Mm -hmm. I've just got two questions remaining. What did you learn from your kids or from being a father, from fatherhood? They, from time to time, each one of them contributes something that I learned from them about all kinds of things. You know, working on the computer in some ways, Fletcher's a nurse practitioner. He'll uh, come on strong about all kinds of things. Uh, I was a kid that if you tell them the medicine you're taking, he'll give you a two-hour lecture on what the pros and cons of that medicine are. <laughs> so it's a good asset to have. Yeah. And uh, Fletcher's been fortunate enough to uh, befriend some doctors who trust his knowledge and uh, therefore let him pretty much do doctoring, I think. And they know, they know that if he runs up against something he's doubtful about or questioning, uh, that he will come back and ask them before he gets into trouble. So, uh, he's, he's smart enough to know what he knows and what he doesn't know. Exactly. Exactly. Nurse practitioners and physician's assistants seem like they're extraordinarily capable and empowered advanced practitioners. So it's a fantastic career choice, especially for people that want to be involved in direct patient care and don't want the long road in student debt involved in becoming a doctor. Mm-hmm. So lastly, uh, what other advice would you give to other fathers, either fathers in general or to fathers who have a child that are interested in pursuing a career in the arts, such as to become a sculptor? Let them do it. Let them try it out. Let them see how well they can do it. Be careful that they know they can. They need to make a living and they need to be satisfied with what they're doing and that it's making a difference out there in the world. Yeah. Well, your kids are certainly making a difference, all of them in their different ways. Bob, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate the opportunity. I've learned a lot of things about what I think myself. (laughs) Great. Well, thanks again for everything. It was really a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate it. Enjoyed it. 
Thank you for listening, and thanks to Bob Schubert. He is a terrific guy and an excellent father. If you'd like to learn more about Spencer and his sculpting, I'd encourage you to check out his website at esschubert.com. That's E as in Edward, S as in Spencer, schubert.com. While you're there, be sure to visit the About page, where there's that terrific video where you can learn more about Spencer, his studio, and see some footage of the William Webb statue installation. As mentioned in the introduction, we would greatly appreciate it if you could help sustain the podcast by leaving a rating and even a brief review. It is particularly helpful if you can do this on the Apple iTunes podcast platform. You can also help the podcast by telling a friend about it, subscribing, or following us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Most importantly, remember to spend some time today with your child. It goes by in the blink of an eye.